okay if I move your folder here? Good morning. It is good to see you all here. Welcome, special welcome to our visitors. We're glad you're here. And I have to do it. Shout out to my niece, Carissa, who's here. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. You know if you're going to come, I will embarrass you, right? No, we're glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. And all of you, it's really good to see you here. So today I want to talk, um, well, our, our sermon is from 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 through, the, through chapter 6. But what we, what we come across in this passage is one of the greatest privileges, at least that's how I want us to see it, one of the greatest privileges that we as followers of Christ have. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're not going to read or even use near all the text. Um, just because it's way too much to cover, but 2 Corinthians 5, I just want to read one verse and then we'll come back and read the, the other, some other verses around it later. But here's the focus where I want us to focus today. It says, therefore, this is in verse 20 of 2 Corinthians 5, it says, therefore we are, are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So I'm just going to stop right there for now. And then we'll come back and pick up some stuff in that later. <clears throat> but I want us to see that call on your life, that call on my life, is one of the greatest privileges that we have, that we could possibly have. So before we get into, into the text um, and read the rest of it, I want to ask you a question. My question to you is simply this, are you contagious? What's the first thing that popped in your mind when I said that? COVID, right? I'm not talking about COVID, okay? Um, but are you contagious? So think about that a little bit. If you're contagious, that means that you carry within your being something that will be or has the possibility to be spread from one person to another. Something that's contagious is something that spreads without it being forced to be spread. Something that's contagious, you have to try to put a lid on it. When you're contagious, you don't have to try to spread whatever it is that you're contagious with. Usually we think in negative terms when we think of something as being contagious. I already mentioned COVID. We're probably tired of hearing about that. But germs, flu, chickenpox, you name it, all kinds of stuff is contagious. But there's a whole lot of other things that are contagious that you carry, that I carry, that can be contagious. Have you ever been around a person who is just always negative? I mean, no matter what, it is just, it's a downer. It can be the prettiest fall day that you can ever imagine, but something is wrong with the weather. It's, it's, that kind of thing can be contagious. It, it can drag you down. It can, that kind of a person, if you carry that with you, you can walk into a room and it just puts a damper on everything. But the flip side is also true. Have you ever been around someone who's just bubbling with joy? That person can walk into a room and it, it brings life to a room, right? You've experienced that. So there's, there's life. How about laughter? Have you ever been around someone who, whose laughter just spurs laughter that just spreads? 
Um, I know some people like that. When you hear their giggle, you just can't help. You get sucked right in, and it makes you giggle. How many remember, this is probably telling on me, Chewbacca Mom, that was all over Facebook. Am I the only one? Unreal. That makes me weird. Um, Anyway, she was annoying as could be, but I'd still sit there and laugh when I'd hear her laugh. All right, so my point is this. You are contagious. You are spreading something. All of us are. I don't think there's any, there is no, there is no such thing as being completely neutral. No matter what you're doing in your life or what you're not doing, you are spreading something to someone. You can't get away from it. So I just read a story about a guy who, I think it was in 2000, he put his life savings into a phone booth and he went and he lived, and since then, up to the, today, he's living in a cave with no income, no money. He's lived 20, almost 20 years, or over 20 years, without any income, just living in a cave. So is he spreading something? Can you just completely withdraw from life and society and not spread something? I don't think you can. I think about the message that he sends to the people around him or the people who were around him, family members. You don't matter. My, my, my getting away from you is more important than you. You're, no matter what you're doing, you're spreading something. So the reason, I, the reason I start with that idea is because whatever it is that you are spreading, whether it's positive or negative, whatever that may be, reflects who you represent. Whatever you're spreading with your life reflects who you represent. And so an ambassador is someone who represents another. So you and I, with our lives, are ambassadors for someone. We're representing someone. You can't get away from it. All right, so if you're still in Second Corinthians chapter 5. I want to start in verse 16 and read down through chapter 6, chapter 6, verse 1. It says, For from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God." For our sake, he made him who knew no, who, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And I'm just going to stop right there. It kind of jumps into the, um, a little bit of a different thought. But the rest of chapter 6, sometimes, sometimes read that in light of being an ambassador and what an ambassador it means to be an ambassador. So I just want to flesh out a little bit this idea of being an ambassador, and it's probably something we're very familiar with, but I just want to 
take, take a couple things from this text. First of all, I want to talk about the identity of an ambassador, and then the mission of the, an ambassador, and then simply close with how then do we live as ambassadors for Christ. Verse 17 is probably, I don't, know, I don't know when we use this verse the most. I always think of baptisms. But it's an exciting, incredibly exciting verse. It's talking about a new life that has begun in someone who has given their life to Christ. And as I, as I kept going through this, this portion of the text, I was, we need to be reminded over and over and over again who we are. We need to be reminded that we have been made a new creation. Did you notice there, there's one phrase or one word that Paul uses, or, or two words, I guess, the, the word in Christ, because that's how we become a new creation, in Christ. Paul uses those, that word, those two words in his writings over 160 times. You read through Paul's epistles, it's, it's everywhere. But it's talking about your position. It's talking about our position. And I think it's so vital because when we know whose we are, that we know who we are and we act out of what we believe. So it's incredibly important that we know who we are. So an ambassador is a new creation, someone who has been made a new creation in Christ. What's a new creation? Is it simply turning over a new leaf? Is it a new and improved version of Andrew? Is it just he's, he's improved on what he was? Or is it God taking and bringing and putting in Andrew something completely new that was not there before? That's what a new creation is. It's taking something that you cannot be and will never be on your own, but in Christ... You have become something completely new, not just turning over a new leaf. There's this, um, you guys would love my Instagram feed. I follow a whole bunch of different farmers from all over. But there's this one guy, um, he's always talking about being positive, being positive, having a good attitude. It's great. It's wonderful. But he uses this phrase that I've been thinking about. It says, he just says, be a better human. Be a better human. So think about that a little bit. So, Can we just be a better human? I get, I get what he's saying, okay? So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be a, I don't know, be a pain here, but I get what he's saying, but it gives this mentality that you and I can, from the outside in, create something better. God has not created us to simply be better humans. He has come into our lives to make us new creation, something completely new. And the change that comes, this being better human, comes from something that happened in here. And it flows out. He doesn't, it's this idea of um, going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. You watch, you watch that process. It's, it's absolutely astounding. I've, I've seen it so many times and every time I'm just blown away by it. That is what God has done in your life. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you go from becoming a caterpillar to butterfly. Not just simply a caterpillar who got a couple new legs or something improved on him. 
You're something completely new. So it's simply reminding us, I want to remind us who we are in Christ. Four things that um, the verses just prior to verse 17 give us a picture of what it is to be new in Christ. Verse 14, if you back up in verse 14, it says, for the love of Christ controls us. As a new creation, the things that controlled us no longer control us. Something new has taken control of our lives, and it's the love of Christ. Verse 15, it says, we no longer live to ourselves. In the middle of the verse, it says that those who might no longer that those who live might no longer live for themselves. The very definition of what an ambassador is, someone who does not live for himself, but for another. Our desires change. It's a new creation. It's a change. But also then in verse 16, our perspective on life changes. We begin to see with new eyes. He says that we used to regard things according to the flesh, so we'd, we'd look at them with our natural eyes, And now we see things with different eyes. We see things with an eternal perspective because something in us has been changed, has been made new. Verse 18 says, All this is the work of God. So just, I just want to point us to that simply because there is nothing that you and I can do to bring that about in our lives. It's only It is only in Christ, the work of God. Then he brings in this word, and here's where I draw from the mission of an ambassador, what we are called, or the ministry of an ambassador. He uses this word reconciled or reconciliation. What does that mean? And I almost got bogged down with reading all the terms about all the different things that it means. And yet it's so simple. It is simply to exchange something. How many of you guys, when you balance your checkbook, if you do it on QuickBooks or anything like that, you go on and you click Reconcile, and it reconciles your bank account with your checking account. It brings the two together. Holman's Bible Dictionary, which is one I use quite a bit, says, bringing together two parties that have been estranged or in a dispute. Jesus Christ is the one who brings together God and man, and salvation is the result of that union. Reconciliation means Jesus has taken us from enemies to friends. And this is something that Paul writes about over and over. I believe the word is only used in one other time in the New Testament besides Paul's writing, and that's in Matthew chapter 4, or chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, I think it is, where Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, so if you go to give your sac- or offer your sacrifice, and there you remember that someone has something against you. He says, go be reconciled to him, and then come and offer your sacrifice. And always, and it, in, the, in this case, when it's person to person, it is one has sinned against another, or there's both been wrong, and so Something needs to happen between the two people. There needs to be repentance and forgiveness on both people. I don't know, have you ever seen a dispute between two people where only one was at fault? Have you ever seen that? We're humans, right? So we're, we're both, both of us need 
to give and seek reconciliation, to seek reconciliation, both need to seek forgiveness and both need to repent. But Jesus comes and he flips that completely on its head. Has Jesus ever failed you? Did he ever wrong you? Why do you need to be, how are you then reconciled in, with Jesus in a relationship? You and I are the ones who have turned our backs on him. Jesus owes us nothing. And it's, it's just this simple message of salvation. Jesus, or God through Jesus, instigates reconciliation with those of us who have turned our backs on him. Romans 5, or the first five chapters of Romans talk about it. Romans 5.10 says, For while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. It is very simply, it's the message of the cross. And without the cross, there can be no hope of reconciliation for us. And I simply say that because the cross has got to be a central part of our lives. I was reminded of it a couple weeks ago when we had communion. We sang the songs about the cross. It's something we have to keep in front of us is the cross because the cross is sufficient. And it's only through the cross that reconciliation is at all made possible for us. So how then do you respond to that grace? It's the story of grace, reconciliation, and that new creation. God calls us, and He says, and I'm going to go back to verse 20 again, or actually let me read verse 19, that is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. Because through the cross you have been reconciled to God, that is now your ministry, that is your mission, your calling. That is not simply for pastors, Sunday school teachers, for someone who's 30 or above. That is every single one of us. Every single one of us is called to that ministry. To live our lives as ambassadors. So how does that, how does that live out? How do you live out your life as an ambassador for Christ? Let's just look at a couple of characteristics here in closing about an ambassador. An ambassador is someone who goes into a foreign country as a messenger. So he takes the messages from his leader in his country and he takes that message into a foreign country. He communicates only what the king who sent him has asked him or told him to communicate. So he goes as a messenger, but an ambassador is much more than a messenger. An ambassador is a representative. An ambassador represents someone who cannot be there physically. So you look at our president. I don't don't know how many ambassadors, I guess I should have looked it up, how many ambassadors that the United States has to other countries. Our president can't be there. So he sends an ambassador to Sudan. He sends an ambassador to France. I don't know where all. All over the world. Someone is there, and they are, their job is solely to represent 
the leader who has sent them, who cannot be there physically. How do we then live in this world as citizens of heaven, impacting our culture, but not getting sucked into our culture? How, do, how, does that, how does that work out in your life? How do we do that? If only it'd be so simple. Let me, let me simply point us back to who we are. We are new creations in Christ. That is our identity. That's who we are. And our ministry is to bring people... Paul uses this word... Let me, let me go to in the, after he says that we're ambassadors. God making his appeal through us. That is what you and I are doing. We are making an appeal to the world around us to be made right with God. I believe we have to keep our, miss, our mission, who, what our ministry is, forever right in front of us. Our calling, and that remember I said, that is every one of us. I don't care how old or how young you are as a follower of Christ is not a part-time job. It's not something you do when you get here. It is something that you do with everything in your life. It entails all of life. Your words, your character, your actions, your attitudes. When you're at school, when you're at work, when you go out to eat, wherever you go in your life, your ministry entails all of that. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Your ministry is a lifestyle. And how you live represents or reflects who you are representing. Our lives are not our own. He says that um, back up in verse 15 again. He says, our lives are not our own. It changes. It changes how I engage people when I'm at work. It changes how I engage people on social media. When I remember who I'm representing, it changes everything about how I approach life, how I engage with people. An ambassador, and here's where it gets so hard, if we're really honest, an ambassador never, ever, never seeks to set up his own little kingdom. Do you struggle with that like I do? If we're really honest, we so often get wrapped up in trying to establish the little things that we want. We just want to establish our little mini kingdoms and we want to be mini kings. God created us to be his ambassadors for the one and only king, and that's who we represent. I don't know, and and like I said, this this calling of being an ambassador, I don't want it to feel like it's this heavy weight on us. Because when you think about it, when we think about who we are as new creations in Christ, when we think about how God has reconciled us to himself, it is the greatest privilege that we can possibly have in this life is to represent that king to the world. I love movies and shows or something about with musketeers or, I don't know, Robin Hood, these back in, in that era of time when so musketeers were there to protect the king. And no greater privilege, there was no greater privilege for them than to lay down their life for their king. 
There was nothing in them that wanted to set up their own little kingdom. Their life was consumed with living for their king. And that is what must consume our lives as a new creation because we have been made new in Christ. The greatest privilege that we can possibly have is to represent the King of Kings. And let me just close with, with this thought. An ambassador knows the heart of his king. So an ambassador must know what his king wants. And if he's going to know, if we're to know what our king wants, that means we need to be spending time with our king. Not just Sunday morning. Every day, our lifestyle, everything that we're doing, we're conscious of who our king is. And that's where I want to bring us back to this idea of being contagious. This privilege that we have to represent our king. When we live out of our identity in Christ, I think we're going to be contagious. Remember last Sunday, Marcus talked about this, this lady who just, he, I don't know how he said, like oozed Jesus when you were in her presence. I don't know who she was, but I wish I would have met her. That's the kind of follower of Christ that I want to be. The very essence of our King, the very essence of Jesus, oozes from every pore of our being, every fiber of our being, because of what's taken place in here. It oozes out into every fabric of life. That's what an ambassador does, and that's how we become contagious, when we allow that change to simply flow through us. So as you go out this next week, actually today, remember who you are. Remember what your mission is and stay focused on your mission. Let's never, ever seek to build our own little kingdoms. We're here for one reason, and that is to build and expand the kingdom of Christ. And how you and I live the rest of today, tomorrow, is how that kingdom is advanced. It's how it's built. It's not done by force. It's not done by some crazy means. It's simply the people of Christ representing Jesus well. So bless you guys as you go and you represent your king this next week. So there's no going to be, not going to be any song um, at the end here. So I'm going to invite you to stand for a word of prayer, and then you can be dismissed. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you have called us, that you've called each one of us here today to represent you. And God, as we go through our week, I pray that we would remember that you would keep the cross, that we would keep the cross front and central in our lives and that we would be reminded of what the ministry and the mission is that you have called us to. And I pray that we could go and represent you well for your honor, for your glory, because our desire is to advance your kingdom here on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen.